0: After breakfast,
1: what's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas. It's weird brunch. <gasps> what? So,
2: oh boy, <laughs> I think I know what's coming.
3: <laughs> oh my god, what? What? I was on our conspiracy for the first time. hmm Um. Really? And truly, truly. <laughs> I have not looked at the subreddit for, I mean, ever. Maybe I looked at it for, like, a thing, and I was like, oh, this is too much, and just got off. Um, But I looked at it the other night and was up till 3 a.m. reading about what I'm about to talk about. But also, I discovered um, uh, this guy named Isaac Cappy. Cappy? Cappy. He um, passed away suspiciously after potentially naming tom hanks no (gasps) don't
4: believe it oh no fucking way that's overdue i saw the new mr rogers movie last night how was it it was great Mm. i cried so much there's a lot of like dad dying stuff going on
2: oh that'll
4: so that (laughs) really particularly hit me hard (laughs) yeah uh yeah, but it's a great movie. It's not just like, you know, here's Mr. Rogers and how great he was because he was. But the story that goes along with it is also good. Mm-hmm. Cool. Recommend. Well, so don't fucking shatter my world right now, please, Lisa. Let me all try.
3: Also, do y'all know what's going on with Jeff Goldblum? No. He has a new TV show. What did he do? Um, I've heard from like... I don't know five different people in five different times in the last like two weeks that he's about to get uh
2: God cancelled. It's, it's gonna be Keanu after that no. like just, we can't have anything
4: Keanu came out with his hot older girlfriend mm-hmm. like way to go for both of you
3: mm-hmm.
2: did you see that see yeah the lights are you back named, on you named Goldblum lights went off mm-hmm. we named Keanu lights, lights came back mm-hmm. on that's
3: right, yeah. Uh, that's the there's first. somebody that's working on a whole expose about Goldblum. <laughs>
2: Stop it! Oh my god, <laughs> you're killing the whites <laughs> every time you mention it. It really
4: is happening. It's spooky, lots <laughs> <the> spookies. Um, <laughs> um, Fred Armisen, Keanu, uh? Keanu,
2: maybe no. three times. Keanu,
4: Keanu, Keanu, Keanu. No, no. Uh, I I really love Jeff. He's such a weirdo. Like, I I can't.
2: I mean, I'm not shocked because he's been kind of playing Lothario since the 80s. So maybe. Yeah. He got up to some stuff. But.
4: Yeah, I could see it.
2: He's just so fun. Yeah. Yeah.
4: But for real, though, welcome to Weird Brunch. See?
3: That's Lisa Friedrich. Soy Lisa Friedrich. hmm Er, me me, me.
4: Um, me amo, Whitney Lamond. Mm-hmm.
2: And. Jim Karina Magyar. Oh, oh,
3: bitch. We. Oui. Someone fancy up in it here. It's
2: Whitney Lamond. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry.
3: That's so scary. It
2: was mm-hmm.
3: terrifying.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not going to do Russian. We don't want Russian on oh. this.
0: I
3: love to speak Russian. I told my mom to watch Jojo Rabbit. I was like, I really, I can't fucking recommend a movie Mm -hmm. more in the world.
0: Mm -hmm. And
3: she was like, is that that Nazi movie? And then I had to sit there and be like, well, yeah, but But also it's it's not. not And then like, and she was like, Okay, uh, yeah, it sounds good. I was like, no, you you don't
4: get it.
3: Yorkie. The
4: best thing to be on screen this whole year was that little boy.
3: I want to get a tattoo of him uh, with the wife beater on. Oh, sitting on the trash <laughs> can just like, oh. I just want to like, get him like It's not over. a very
4: good time to be a Nazi right now. It's, he's just the most adorable like, little I'm boy. I'm really
3: thinking about getting that tattoo.
2: I got to see this movie. Oh, Do it. It's, uh,
3: the, it's maybe the best movie I've ever seen.
2: I saw The Lighthouse instead of that. I just kind of flipped a coin. Was it great? unbelievable what's
4: i know this story about it's based on this kind of well-known like true story mm-hmm. that happened at this lighthouse and it's fucked up it's fucked
2: up and it's about uh, alcoholism and whether or not reality is real
0: mm. and it's CG start changes.
2: and it's literally like a two-person movie with just mm-hmm. um robert pattinson and, and willem dafoe, and willem dafoe. Willem dafoe. Trapped in a Lighthouse. You
3: had me at Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Speaking in
2: like Robert Louis Stevenson talk mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm. It is is hot and Woo! weird and disturbing and Willem scary. Willem Dafoe? Yeah.
3: You don't think Willem Dafoe i masturbate hot? that whole time. Yeah, it's go. hard not
2: to, to be honest. Do they make out? They masturbate <gasps> on screen.
3: <laughs> Next to each other? Yes. Spoiler alert. With eye con- is there eye contact?
2: Once. What?
4: Love it. One of the
2: Love four it. times that it. it's- I- oh i want to see it it's so good
4: that story is always i've almost done it on the podcast it's yep. so fucking weird yep. there's a great episode
2: of lore
4: about it if you're into aaron lanky
3: let's see that's the yeah. thing is his voice i, I like that i like lore yeah. but i just want i'll just send you the story because it. it's fucking
4: great
2: we should just do whatever they do because our voices kick ass
4: yeah yeah
2: so, and then like people can listen to lore more without research. You know.
0: and then, yeah. We'll just switch <laughs> up a couple of words. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, we know how to avoid plagiarism. We've been through middle school.
3: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Mostly. <laughs> you know. I'm sorry. Did you didn't get you your mono like for half of middle, middle school? school GED or something?
4: I had mono for a little. Yeah. Middle school GED. I did have mono for a little bit, but I didn't go crazy. I had. What did you find?
3: Happy Halloween. Where is it? Trick or treat, beach.
4: Oh, there's the
3: races. It's the gold in the pots. Hell yeah.
4: There it is. Man, you're being being a real
3: me tonight.
4: Yep.
2: (laughs) feel feisty.
4: Lisa, start yeah. us off. Okay. I want to hear your okay. goddamn story. I'm so excited right. for this story. Also, y'all are on separate, different microphones right now, and I just want you Is to it know it bothering that. you
2: that we're using the wrong colors?
4: I'm just curious. We're going to see how this goes.
3: Okay.
4: If it Maybe y'all sound smart tonight.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> Let her dream. Uh, she's a dreamer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I, as mentioned prior... I got on Reddit Conspiracy for the first time and actually spent some time on there. Didn't take me long. I think it literally took me three minutes before I was like, the fuck is this? Um, and the first thing I typed out was, well, holy shit. Um, this just kind of encompasses everything I'm about right now. Um, so, okay. First off, I, I do want to talk a little bit about... Um, Virginia Roberts, uh, she was Epstein's, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's sex slave. Um, oh. Mm-hmm, and also Like had, willing, or are we getting to that? Well, she was young and mm-hmm. kind of got roped into it by Ghislaine Maxwell. And uh, so she got into it young. She's 35 now. And like she was- it's like basically how old we yeah, are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she was in it for a minute um but she was like his favorite whatever uh Mm -hmm. she started to help get girls in Mm -hmm. um something she and prince andrew had a thing or he would like borrow her every now and then this
4: is the current queen of england's nephew right i believe so yeah that sounds about
3: right i think yep right okay I believe so yes um, at first I thought it was that real crotchety old guy that is just death in a car every time you see him oh her actual husband yeah yeah what's <laughs> and I was like oh, oh no. I he's like crown prince name. something something but yeah. I just feel like he would just collect loose skin make it in the shape of a dick and put it inside of somebody um oh, let's just... Ew, that sounds real mushy <laughs> well I'm sure he's a mushy looking dude um. So, Ugh. Virginia Roberts, uh, you know, she's been the loudest whistleblower on on the whole Jeffrey Epstein like sex ring thing that yeah. I think everyone is pretty aware of. Um, but right now she is actually the mom of three, and she is in this weird legal disc- like argument with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell who was Epstein's ex-lover. Um, and she uh, Virginia has alleged that she was procured by Maxwell um, as a teenage sex slave for Epstein. Mm. Um, there was a defamation case involving Virginia, and uh, in 2015 she claimed that Prince Andrew slept with her three times. <gasps> um that's three too many times.
0: Mm-hmm,
3: mm. mm-hmm. Uh, she is now claiming that she had sex with Prince Andrew in a toilet when she was 17.
2: <laughs> so there's, there's a prank phone call somewhere in there.
3: For sure. <laughs> yes. Um so the you know royal family's like no 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 no. Um but so like I said, you know in 2015 she claims that Prince Andrew slept with her. Um And around that time, she comes to meet a woman named Amy Robach. Uh, So Amy Robach currently is an anchor for Good Morning America and 2020. Um, And this kind of hit home for me because uh, growing up, 2020 was one of my favorite shows. 2020. Really? Oh, yeah. Barbara Walters. Yeah, that was some good shit. Those were my people. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's, that's what that's what i was staying up late to watch which is it checks out Yeah, um, just watching
4: out. interviews like that is yeah i don't think people don't really do them anymore other than i guess like 60 minutes and that type of stuff it's 2020 oh wait you're saying it's still on yeah, it's yeah. Still
3: on. she's married to andrew shu and i know the name but i'm uh, whatever. Who cares, Elizabeth? Shure's yeah, that's what I was. Gonna, that's Say. what I'm thinking. But you know, I could have googled it, and uh, <laughs> I was just really like, it's so unimportant that she's married to this guy. I just thought I would throw it in there. Okay. Um. So she, he was on Melrose Place. There we go. I thought oh. he was an actor. There we go. There we go. Um. So she. Before she was at Good Morning America in 2020, she was a national correspondent for NBC News um, and the co-host of the Saturday edition of NBC's Today. Hold on, sorry, Elizabeth Shue is actually his sister,
4: ha! for real. <laughs>
3: Did it? There Hell we go. Yeah. Okay, nice. continue. Um, and she was an anchor on MSNBC. Um, by the way, my sources are well—I'll name them later. It's a lot of it is page six. Um, (laughs) Like someone at page six is so thirsty for this whole thing. (laughs) Um, So she is, uh, she was born in St. Joseph, uh, Michigan. She is obviously in New York now. Um, She has two children. And let's see, she's got some books out there. um, And they all just sound exactly like what you would think they would be. One of them is how I let go of control.
0: Okay. One of them is
3: held on to hope. Okay. And the last one is found joy in my darkest hour.
2: Okay.
3: So this is actually going to be a lot shorter than I thought. <laughs> um. So this thing happens where on, okay, November 1st of this year, the New York Post runs an article about uh, Amy Robach and how running is like therapy for her. Typical sure. article. You know, we've all seen them. It's a puff piece. Yeah, we all, sure. usweeklypeople.com, we're all on board. Um, <laughs> November 5th, the New York Post posts an article that says bosses scramble after Amy Robach's comments about Jeffrey Epstein leak.
0: Mm. Leak.
3: Leak. Um so the super right-wing conservative group um Project Veritas. So like gross, but Right. Uh they put this video out um and It's founded by James O'Keefe and he's like like if you look him up there's just so much fucked up about that dude. Wait is he the guy who like tries to bust
2: people with hidden cameras and shit? Um probably look at him. Oh look at him.
3: Gross. There's Um, a
4: big glass of water right behind your computer by the way so if you move it that much more
3: it'll fall over. There we go. Keep that in don't edit that. (laughs) um so he has gained national attention for like deceptively editing videos he is constantly like look at these fucking libtards and like whatever
2: he's the guy behind that whole hoax about how he caught Planned Parenthood selling aborted fetus parts oh that was him yes
3: Yes.
4: so literal human garbage
2: yeah he's literal human garbage. Yeah, he's he's one of your sources. He is, yeah.
4: (laughs) So So you talk to him every day. That's fine. Let's get into that. He's my
3: best friend. Um, (laughs) So between the first and the fifth, earlier that day on the fifth, this video gets put live on YouTube and it is shared a billion different ways. I would like to play it now.
1: Sure. Okay. Okay. We would not put it on the air. Um, First of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, Then the palace found out that we had her whole. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, First of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, Then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed access. the story. Yeah. And then um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I I tried for three years to get it on I had it
3: all three years ago. Yeah, there's more than that, but... If somebody wanted to look
4: up that video, though, Hmm. how would they find that?
3: Um, Honestly, so you can look that one up on Project Veritas. I don't like giving them views. So Fox News actually, like, I know, like, whatever, the devil or Satan, but... um,
0: Fox News actually Googled has it.
3: one. Yeah, if you Google Amy Robach mm-hmm. right now, R-O-B-A-C-H, you're going to find like eight different videos. I would suggest the Fox News one because it just has like the exact things that you want to hear. Right. Um. And whereas this one has like all seven minutes or whatever. And also it's, um, you know, put up by a bunch of uh, hate. So that happened on uh, November 5th. Um. And then, of 2019, of 2019, this it's couple rough. weeks ago, nine yeah. days ago, or whatever. I don't know when this coming. Um, I don't know what so time it is. On how do I see the date this is posted? Okay, so also on November 5th at 9 a.m. So all of this has happened by 9 a.m. So by 9 a.m., she has her statement. And Amy Robach statement is as a journalist, as the Epstein story continued to unfold last summer, I was caught in a private moment of frustration. This was filmed on in, in like August, like 19th or something somewhere in okay. there. Um, In a private moment of frustration, I was upset that an important interview I had conducted with Virginia Roberts didn't air because we could not obtain sufficient corroborating evidence to meet ABC's editorial standards about her allegations. My comments about Prince Andrew and her allegation that she had seen Bill Clinton on Epstein's private island were in reference to what Virginia Roberts said in that interview in 2015. Right after she had said Prince Andrew things, um, I was referencing her allegations, not what ABC News had verified through our reporting. The interview itself, while I was disappointed it didn't air, didn't meet our standards.
0: Backpedal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the
3: years since, no one ever told me or the team to stop reporting on Jeffrey Epstein. In the years, oh, in the years since. No one ever told me or the team to stop reporting on Jeffrey Epstein, and we have continued to aggressively pursue this important story. That's just kind of fluff, right? And yeah. I have continued to want to have this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then the ABC News statement is, at this time, not all of our reporting met our standards to air, but we have... We've never stopped investigating the story ever since we've had a team on this investigation and substantial resources dedicated to it. That work has led to a two hour documentary and a six part podcast that will air in the new year.
2: Mm.
3: Into it. Yeah. So ABC is doing, you know, the typical ABC and Disney treatment of like, well, we're going to make or this. Or maybe
4: thing. they leaked it on purpose and this is the marketing ploy. That's a
3: veritas. So. Okay, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so that's her statement. And then after her statement, um, Virginia's lawyers, a double down. Okay, Stan Pottinger, Pottinger, I don't know. Uh, a lawyer for Virginia Roberts claims who claims she was forced to sleep with prince andrew at the age of 17 um told page six one of my my main resource uh amy robach and her producer jim hill did outstanding work we virginia and her attorneys were impressed by it why their bosses weren't equally impressed is a mystery but if it was about their fear of alienating the royal family as reported that's not a news decision that's a money call mhm uh-huh. um so there the whole reason that amy even got kind of pulled into it in the first place was because the palace was like what the fuck is going on so this was like literally the queen and the royals being like fuck this woman shut her up what the fuck is she talking about and then amy robach was like that's interesting why are you mad and then went in and interviewed her um so then that was all november 5th so the video breaks she puts a statement out virginia's lawyers are like fuck you uh she did great we love her Um, And then um, on November 6th, the next day, ABC slash Disney, so they're both involved, all of the HR throughout all of the companies are involved, um, they go and they warn CBS, quote, as a courtesy, that the leak came from one of their former employees who now works for CBS. So they uh, they let them know, like, hey, one of our former employees, they have uh, the, the tape, they have the audio, they have all that, and they work for you. So, like, if you can, but there, it's as a courtesy, right? Yeah. But you know goddamn well that they were, like. But if you were could like, do
2: us a solid and shit can that person, make sure they never work in this town again. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: but I don't even think it was an if. It was like, <laughs> shit can that person, we will murder you, we are Mickey Mouse, right? Yep. So December, November 7th, uh, CBS fires the employee the next day. No, like that is not enough time for an investigation. That is not enough time for anything. Uh -uh, uh -uh. So they clearly felt threatened in some way, shape or form. CBS fires the employee that had access to the Roboc audio. Um, Just up and she was out the next day. So, November 8th, the day after she's fired, Ashley Bianco, the woman who was let go, who is also 25 goddamn years old. Oh my God. Um, and an Emmy winner. So, it, kind of fuck her. Um, Jesus. But, like, you have an Emmy winning 25 year old producer that you're like, go get fucked because ABC is the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, she goes and talks with Megyn Kelly on record on, like, one of the sit down interviews right um and she's like i'm not the damn leak like i'm not i it's yeah. that i mean that's basically what it is um it's just her saying like it's not me i don't know what's going on like so then november 8th later that day after that interview is aired project veritas publishes a letter from the leaker and who is it who is it that's where things get even more fun. Oh, this is awesome. Um, so it's titled, Why I Alone <laughs> Released <laughs> the Amy Robach Epstein Tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is by Ignotus. Okay. Oh, God. Deep These throat number two. Boys. These boys. Um, so let's see. I want to make sure this isn't too long. Yeah, it's not too long. Um, so... To my fellow man, I came forward with this information bearing no motives other than...
2: Did he start this to my fellow man?
3: First off, I don't know why we're gendering this person. <laughs> I Sorry. truly believe it was a very stealthy woman.
2: Did Ignotus start this to my fellow <laughs> man?
3: Um. Yes. Well, it's like one, two, three, four. F- it's like five notes, right? But oh.
2: it's just... You mean Ignotus?
3: god damn it i you know i knew it was going to be something um so to my fellow man i came forward with this information bearing no motives other than to have this information public i did not and do not seek any personal gain from this information whether it be financial or otherwise and will always decline when i became aware of this moment i had the same reaction as many of you did uh anger confusion and sadness i care not about petty political quarrels and only hope for the best in all of us to my fellow ABC News employees, meaning this person is still fucking there, nice. which is dope. All right. um, I've walked the halls experiencing similar feelings we're all having right now. All of you, regardless of your own personal differences in one form or another, do an outstanding job. I sincerely enjoy working with you. So he's basically like, hey, just or notice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is basically like, hey, shit's hard. I'm sorry. That's yeah, on me. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're cool. Those wrongfully accused. So, that one woman. (laughs) Um, Her. Her. It's terrible that you've been lashed out at by the company. Oh, wait. Not just the one woman. Sorry. Um, ABC News went fucking ballistic. Went clearing They went fucking ballistic. I said ABC News. I agree. The lights flickered. Uh, I know some... May put the burden of guilt on me, but my conscience is clear. The actions of the company towards you are the results of their own and not anyone else. The public outcry from coast to coast of all people, creeds, and political affiliations mm-hmm. is clear. I have not one doubt that there will always be support for you, and you will always have some prosperous careers. For neither you nor I have done anything wrong. To Amy Robach. Mm. You are the only person deserving a, an apology. Right.
2: Didn't he apologize? Never mind.
3: He didn't really apologize. He didn't. It was, he a was a non-apology like, to the yeah. wrong place. He, he was like, was, "It sucks that yeah. this
4: happened to you, but it's not my fault."
3: Sucks yeah. To you. Got it. All right. Um, you're the only one deserving an, of an of an apology. I am most certainly sorry. Not for my actions or for this to center <laughs> around you, but for what is clear to have happened. Okay, when Ignotis f- is a yeah. dude, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, totally for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah, Uh when I first stumbled across this, my initial reaction was outrage, but this soon turned towards empathy. I cannot imagine doing all the hard work to only have it shelved. If the past few years have taught us anything, it is the truth. It is the truth that some of us have endured many hardships in this industry. From the spiking of stories regarding prominent and powerful people in this world and to yours, I believe that you are an outstanding reporter and have done such tremendous work in the community as well. To ABC News.
0: Suck it.
3: (laughs) I sit right here with you all in complete shock. I, like many, are at a loss for words on how this has been handled. Instead of addressing this head-on like the company has in the past, it has spun into a mission of seek and destroy. Innocent people that have absolutely nothing to do with this are being hunted down as if we are all sport. I challenge all of you to, to actually look inwards and remember why this company engages in journalism. We all hold the First Amendment at the foundation of this company, yet forget its history, its purpose, and its reasoning for even coming into existence to begin with. How lost we are, yearning to be found. Uh, I'm not going to so read the So if last ABC part.
2: News wants to find the person who leaked it, they just got to look for the libertarian. <laughs> yes. And they've got him.
3: Um, I just realized that this was released on the fifth of November. Remember, remember. remember.
0: remember. Ooh. Ooh,
3: it gets juicy.
4: Put on your anonymous
3: mask. Um, I Ic- mean, so rifle. that mask.
2: your ignotus mask. Ignotus. Okay.
3: So, Ignotus is being reported as um, a character from Harry Potter, uh, or the Harry Potter world. He's actually, um, Ignotus is actually from, like, the Tales of the Beetle Bard. Um Nerd. <laughs> Well, I have it pulled up. I'm
4: and just I'm saying really that to Ignotus, it. who will clearly listen to this podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so uh, that the youngest brother finally took off the cloak of invisibility and gave it to his son so it cloak of invisibility is the whole thing there however <laughs> your old girl free dog found um, Ignotus is also um, a Hungarian editor and writer who usually published under the pen name Ignotus he was named uh, Hugo Vigelsberg um, and he was distinguished for the lyric individuality of his poem stories and sociological words. So... I'm like 50-50 on that. I don't know which ignotis you're going for, but... Harry, Potter. Way. Harry Potter. It's totally Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah Harry Potter. Right. Well, look, we don't know how old this person <sighs> is. Um it's Harry Potter. He's in his mid-30s. So that was all... <laughs> I know it. He's, he's mid-thirties. He's overweight. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear he's his letter, He's a huge letter, Doctor though? Who fan. Yeah.
4: Like, that letter, that's... That if he was a smart Jewish person, was like, I was thinking about this when you were reading it, because people have... I can't remember what the term is called, but they have tells in the way they write. Like I would say y'all and someone would be like, oh, this person is from Texas and that type of thing. Um, I feel like if he was smart about it, he would have some accomplice of his and be like, this is what I want to say. And now I need you to write it in your own words so that it can't fucking come back on me.
2: And that was a very idiosyncratic letter. Like I know exactly who wrote it. You know what I mean? Maybe, I don't know his name, but I could find that person just based Uh, on how that was written so easily. Anyway,
0: sorry. That's just my idea. They should pay you, Karina. (laughs) Yes? Go to New
3: York. Knock on ABC. Do you hear that, Illuminati?
2: You should hire me.
3: Pay me,
0: Illuminati. I am a
2: content strategist. I will find this person. And then I will help them escape the country because I don't really want you to win.
3: Okay. So, so probably shouldn't have said that last part um so you'll f-
4: still get the job don't
3: worry cbs Thanks. fired that employee uh ashley bianco on november 7th
2: did they rehire her after the ignotis letter they're like oops ignotis
3: N- not to my knowledge <laughs> but uh, hold one moment um okay. Ooh, <laughs> I just like that. Here's your two weeks, Ignotus. That's funny. So on November 12th, ABC, which I think was Monday? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. Monday, ABC is like, okay, we're back on the fucking trail. We know that this was somebody that's going by Ignotus. So what the fuck? We know you're still working here. What the fuck? Um, So they... Start going fucking ballistic. Um, they're desperately trying to find out who this whistleblower is. They are going through emails. They're turning staff against each other. They're like pulling people into different rooms and being like, well, you know, if we know you didn't do it, then you can have your kids right. back or whatever. Like, I don't know <laughs> kids how bad it is. So, and this that's is hot. I mean, that's kind of still where they're at. Like, they've yeah. spent. Most of this week, just going through all of the emails, going through all of the their employees, like sh- all of it, all of their shit, trying to find out who did this, which brings up a lot of concerns, right? So that- does that mean that like Disney and ABC are you know covering for Epstein? Are you because? Later in that yeah. video, I cut it off, but later in that video, she straight up is like, no, he didn't fucking kill himself. Like, it, he was murdered. Everyone, he was Everybody Well, that's, that. yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, it's just like the more it's being said, like, right. and because she had all this information ahead of time, it's like, well, goddamn.
2: Well, I'm 150% certain that somebody on the board of directors of Disney fucked some kids thanks to Epstein. I mean, that's just. Yeah. That's even that's almost as obvious as the fact that Epstein was murdered. So I'm sure that like somebody's making phone calls to say tell the story.
4: Back then there was the effort to cover it up, and now it's the effort to cover your ass. Yeah, nobody
2: wants the whole. Nobody wanted that to go to court. Nobody wanted that to go to court because so many people are going to get named. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh
3: yeah. Um. So all of this is happening. So on November 5th, since November 5th. All Epstein kind of related coverage is dark. No one has mentioned this. No one has said anything. So I went on her Facebook, and it is just so fun. Um, There's right now an image of Donald Trump in like a 1940s Army World War II getup that says, how about rooting for America you for a change, you commie scumbag? Jesus. Uh, This is
4: on... What's her What's
2: her, her name again? She
3: hasn't taken her fucking Facebook down, which is Virgin. Blowing, what's her uh, name? Amy Robot. Amy Robach. But
2: like, wait, hold on. Project Veritas is, is like, right. Yeah, well, is a right wing Trump supporting.
3: Yeah. Do you
2: organization? But,
3: right. So who, who thinks that? Yeah. Who that, are we
2: rooting for here, people? Well,
3: th- no they one who know. roots for Trump knows who they they're
2: rooting know. for.
3: <laughs> that is, they're just. At the base. Anger of, and hate
4: yeah. everywhere, all the time, yes. no matter what. Yes.
3: yes. Okay. No, it doesn't matter what she does. So then there's also people that are like, I hope you finally see ABC for what it is and leave them for a real uh, news channel. Um, there are no real news channels in America. And the, the sweet older lady says we miss you on good morning america hurry back (laughs) hurry back as if she's on vacation (laughs) and then this other person goes how do you sleep at night and this is kind of the main sentiment that i think she's she's getting
0: okay
3: is how do you sleep at night knowing that you could put the epstein story out and possibly stopped god's children well god's children from being raped and murdered for the last three years but no you were mo- more worried about your career and oh protecting God. pedophiles Not- there is a place that you and your other mainstream media colleagues will spend eternity in and it isn't heaven i will pray for your soul if you still have one
2: Oh, that is rich. I
3: but mean, then, but then, I mean, every other one is fucking cra- So then the next one is like, I will never watch Good Morning America for what they did to you. I'm so mad. I have to watch. I have watched that show for a very long time. Just wanted to share. It. You're a great person. Uh, Just. Sh- what the hell? The f- oh, and then Bill Burr <laughs> yeah. posted on his Instagram uh, on November 12th, like the video or whatever. Um, And then there's this really funny Guardians of the Pedophiles ABC with, like, the president of ABC News, the senior VP of ABC News. It's pretty funny. Um, oh
4: I mean, I can just imagine, though, the way that it actually went. Like, if you're thinking about it as a person who's at their job and you're like
3: this is my Mrs. Job.
4: Lisa. Look at this awesome like thing I dug up. It's I think it's really great. And she's like, yeah, I think it's great, but I just don't think it's going to work right. It right. doesn't meet this standard. I'm sorry. I know you put a lot of hard work into it. This sucks. And then you go, fuck, this sucks. And you're kind of pissed about it for a little while. And then you get over it. And then three years later, it fucking comes out and you're like, i knew
0: it
2: yeah yeah, so yeah. i'm it's not her fault no oh, i know people don't realize how many uh, killed stories she's sitting on yeah half of which probably are bullshit and then you know and yeah killed for a good reason and she's probably not heartbroken about but then half of which are probably just as juicy and we haven't heard yeah. them yet mm-hmm. like they, that's just how it, it works when you're in the yeah. news yeah well it, you know shit
3: yeah it, and like, I mean, say, like, this is, like, I'm dealing with the same fucking shit right now at my job where I'm like, yeah, I fucking told you all this yeah. six months ago. Yeah. What the fuck? Now you care? Yeah. Well, no, you're you. supposed to quit and, so, yeah. and,
2: not, and not support the evil doers, right. or your soul is going to hell. Right. Don't you know that,
0: Lisa? I mean, if you yeah. even if your boss have is, one. Yeah, if you even have one. You know.
3: I mean, it does... Like, what a fucking Sophie's choice, though, to break that story outside of your network, therefore losing all of this, like, stability. Right. I feel really and terrible like, for her. It's not her yeah, fault. Yeah. None it, of this is her it's fault. Not no, at all. It's not No, it's not. So just to And kind also, of- it doesn't
2: shed any new facts or new light. So Project Veritas still fucking sucks. I mean, this is yeah. fascinating, but it's also ruining her life for no reason. It's not like new news came out of this. No. Other than the ABC had the story. No. They didn't have to, like, throw her under the bus to right. say that.
3: Well, that, but that's They what... could have done
2: real reporting and dug up the story getting killed instead of saying, you know, Amy Robach covered it up or putting up the video.
3: Well, I think the video makes it um, just more real, honestly. Like, I think if it was, like, they did the work and they did the investigation, unless they can pull the documents and the the stuff from those those interviews like i wouldn't fucking buy it especially yeah, but from if there's project verde inside who's
2: can leak the video
3: what nothing i i still am dubious
2: that the insider who leaked the video is a journalist
0: oh. i just am
2: because like a, a journalist would have leaked the primary sources would not like a hot mic take that they knew would be a distracting mess like this
3: yeah 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 um, been,
2: like a real smarter whistleblower, more strategic, would have found the memo that said kill the story and taken the heat. It wouldn't have been the right. heat on Amy Robot, right?
3: Well, and that's the like you know, a lot of people are focused on her and like how she's letting children get raped or whatever, yeah. but like the focus really is on ABC and Disney being, um, just the fucking monsters that, that oh, they awful. are yeah. you know that's, that's i mean that's true at least they're- trust i pre-ordered disney plus like i'm on that I shit have been day one all up on it but that does not mean that it's not just the worst shit in the world um so just to tie this up because right now we're still at the point where abc news is harassing all of their employees but to uh you know i'll we'll try to keep you updated but also like ABC News why you do that why you cover that up ABC um, News because it's, it's uh well yeah they gotta the find the someone to blame reasons, yeah. yeah also like the royal family can also go get fucked like they're not all fucking everybody all the time who's his wife uh, Prince Andrew's wife is what's her name yeah um, Camilla no no. is it Camilla no no. it's Sir Sa- Ferguson,
2: Ferguson. Fergie
3: Yes, it is Fergie. Yeah. No, no. no it's Fergie's Sarah, Duchess of York. I yeah. Said Sarah. Ferguson.
4: Is that Fergie?
2: Isn't it? Not, not Fergie Fergie. Fergie. From, not well, from Black Eyed Peas Fergie. No. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, ooh, we're the royal family of that country that's going down in flames because we quit Europe. I mean, who cares? It, what what clout does England even have
3: left? I mean, I don't think they have clown, but I think the family can easily have you fucking murdered if you don't, don't give them information. They can
2: ha- no, I don't think it's that they can have you murdered. I think it's that uh, they can sell newspapers and TV shows. And that's why they're having their ass kissed, too. Because if you don't have access to the royal family... Then and your competitors do, then you're fucked when anything happens with the royal family because people just need to hear about the royal family. And they're yeah. obsessed. Yeah, that that it's the access. I will, I will it's not say, the physical power anymore.
3: Um, when I was looking up uh, Victoria, she, like all of her stuff was like Daily Mail, Sun, like everything mm-hmm. was all UK related because they're so obsessed with the Prince yep. Andrew part of it all. Yeah, whereas like America is very obsessed with like abc being shitty and um jeffrey epstein because that's that's
2: the part that, that's our
3: boy <laughs> that's it's also a part
2: of this that matters well, right yeah
4: all right there's lots of
2: things about that
4: welcome to the middle of the show <laughs> i'm gonna talk about a very pleasant woman named joe ann miller who was born in 1930 ish uh in northern louisiana Um, She grew up in a pretty great household, had a good life, and decided to go to school at the University of Mississippi where she met her husband named James Nichols. Um, He was a doctor's son who was also from Mississippi, and he was teaching at the university. They got married, and he got a job at IBM, and they moved to Poughkeepsie, is that how you say it? Poughkeepsie.
2: New York. Is it Poughkeepsie or Poughkeepsie? I've always heard Poughkeepsie. Because it spelled is spelled Keepsy. But no, Poughkeepsie. Yes.
4: I mean, Manchac. So, yeah, you never know. I don't fucking know. Uh, so they <laughs> move to Poughkeepsie and uh people really, really love her. Like, Joanne is fucking great. She teaches first grade. Everything seems kind of fine, but everybody also is like, Hey, your husband's kind of a huge weirdo. And, um, God, people are going me that. Yeah, people were like, Yeah, you know, when we first met James, it was because he had just moved into our neighborhood and he walked through our front door without knocking, just <gasps> walked into the goddamn house and was like, Hey, I'm your neighbor um damn it he also done that yep he also um a neighbor of his when she had found like a baby squirrel and she was like hey can you like come help me with this baby squirrel like i don't really know what to. i don't know if i want to touch it you never know Blah 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 he just went up to it and stomped it to death like while just you know wearing his suit coat from coming home from church like Straight up killed the baby squirrel in front of a bunch of children uh, with a hatchet.
3: Oh
0: my God. Wait, what? He yeah.
3: stomped on it and then
4: used a hatchet? Well, I think he just straight up used a hatchet. Sorry, I forgot that was.
3: Maybe he stepped on the tail there and then used a hatchet. Well, I
4: mean, it was a baby squirrel. Like, how far could it have gotten? A uh, neighbor yeah. also said a creepy thing happened once when she was painting her house, wearing some cutoffs, turned around to see him taking photos of her. From below with a long camera lens. Wow. So people Why? are creeped out by James, but Joanne is lovely. Okay. She was a kind of very southern, old school woman. She. Do you want you know, some iced tea? Yeah. Iced tea. Uh, as a first grade teacher on the first day of school, she used to roll out a red carpet for all of her little students to walk in on, which I think is That's adorable. adorable. That's what's really the right. time frame? Why are um, first grade
2: teachers always the best?
4: She was born in the 30s, uh, but this time frame that we're talking so about 70s, is in the 1980s. 80s, okay. Yeah. So she's in her 50s, it's the 80s. I'm she's just trying lovely.
3: to imagine these cutoff shorts, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that like, was their how neighbor. Yeah. Were they? they were
4: probably real.
0: They're part, probably short. Daisy Duke level. Or like, yeah. you
4: know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, Being search his it. house. So, <laughs> um, everybody described Joanne as very lovely and laid back, but obviously, James was super creepy and kind of cold. Um, people were very ill at ease when they were around him because he was also kind of perverse. Um, he rode around the neighborhood on a lawnmower sometimes. (laughs) That's fucking cool. I love that. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know if you want to say that, but um, (laughs) most of the neighbors, you know, didn't, because of his creepiness, they didn't really want to be that close to them. Um, So, despite him being kind of a creepazoid, uh, Joanne was a Baptist and didn't believe in getting divorced she married is married for the rest of your life so even though she had expressed to her friends that she also found some of his quirks to be super off-putting she would not leave him Um, they had a son and he ended up drowning mm. in his, uh, I think he was like in his early 20s. Like he wasn't a kid. Oh. They had, so because James worked at IBM, they collect, he was really into electronics and stuff and they, he kind of just amassed a bunch of random He had like six lawnmowers and uh, a bunch of computers in the 80s, which was super uncommon, but, you know, he worked for IBM. They also had two Amphicars, which I am into now. Amphicars, they are only about 3,800 made ever. And they're those cute little, they look like little, like 1950s convertibles, and they're cars that can go from the ground into the water, and you can drive them around like a boat. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, their son drowned while using one of the Amphicars. He fell off the hood of it in like the Mississippi and drowned.
2: Well, he clearly wasn't using the car correctly.
4: No, I don't know. Maybe he was Still doing tragic. some type of like hot dance on the front of the car in the water. Anyways, <laughs> he's trying I don't to know. do like a Beyonce, like he's he doing the information. Yes, video. in the yeah,
2: in the Amphicar. I mean, you 70s, think that would be a safer say? thing to do than in an Amphicar than a Cadillac?
4: Mm. Well, but. So
2: the son
3: drowned You never know until you try yeah? That's
4: true
2: Oh no she used a cop car That's the serious. She did
3: use a cop car
0: Yeah
4: So after their son down, drowned Obviously Joanne was fucking devastated Like losing a kid is the worst thing ever mm-hmm. But uh, her husband James was like "Ah, eh, we're gonna keep the car And he parked them, both of their Amphicars, on their front yard, like in their front lawn. And so she had to see this shit every day, which she really hated. He also kept a dead cat. One of their cats had died. He kept it in the freezer uh, for no real apparent reason. And she hated having to open the freezer to get anything out of there to cook because there's a dead frozen cat in it.
2: This man is inconsiderate.
4: Um, yeah, James was, or the James Jr. was 25 years old when he died. Oh my so God. that's in 1982. Um, she tolerated living with her husband, but I mean, obviously things weren't good. <laughs> she, They had been married for 30 years. And four days before Christmas in 1985, James Nichols, her husband, reported that Joanne was missing. Um, He told police that they had gone to dinner with another couple the night before and came home because they were having an argument. The next morning, he came back from, I guess, going out and buying some dog food and Joanne wasn't there. And he said there was a typed note on their computer that said she was depressed still from her son's death three years earlier. And she wanted to leave and James told the police that he thought she had left to join a religious cult or that she had killed herself.
2: Yeah, one of those two things.
4: Yeah, The neighbors were all like, she fucking left you because you're horrible. (laughs) Um, So the police are like, "Um, okay, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, And then on Christmas Eve... James said that Joanne had called him and was like, I'm just telling you that I'm fine. And he was like, where are you? And she just hung up. So
2: all right.
4: nobody knows where she is. The police start searching frozen waterways and the woods and everybody's on foot on helicopter. Searching around. They search the house that they lived in, going into the basement, going through all of their shit mr nick james nichols was like hey check out my giant gun collection like they mm. look through all this
2: stuff did they look in the freezer
4: i i think they looked in the freezer i assume a there. um a few days after this detectives realized that her car is now parked in their driveway at the house And James Nichols is like, oh, yeah, um, I found it in the shopping center down the road. And I had it cleaned and vacuumed. Mm -hmm. And they're like, (laughs) 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 "Okay, that's fucking interesting. Uh, Um, So people don't really believe him, but there's not really any hard evidence to do anything about it. A couple weeks later, people start to see James rolling around with a new girl and a detective is like, hey, who's this? And he's like, I got a girlfriend. So what? And the cop is like, I, I-, I guess you're
2: yeah, right. Yeah, high five.
4: Um, Joanne's family hires a private detective who really basically did nothing. Uh, Other than they paid him $150,000 and he said he found out that James Nichols had approached three different men to try to pay them to kill his wife.
2: I mean, well, that's less than as a
4: staged home invasion or more than but all of them like none of them did it. And this is just kind of hearsay. Yeah. So nothing comes of that either. Uh, You're fine. <laughs> Seven years after she disappeared. So nobody knows where Joanne is.
2: Seven years? Seven
4: years after she disappeared, James could have had her declared legally dead. And Joanne's brother goes to court and is like, please don't let him declare her legally dead because that means he gets the house because the house was in her name and we don't want him to be able to leave knowing that he probably did this because everybody suspects him and the judge is like tight i believe you and so they don't declare her as dead um he had legally tried to like obtain a divorce from her like, a few months after she went missing, just assuming that she was, you know, an undead woman who just ran off. Um, Yeah, so James decides to... I'm going to be so mad if she's not dead at (laughs) night. James stays in the house, and he lives there for a very long time. Um, He obviously becomes more and more of a recluse. He was going to church and stuff, but eh, he kind of drops off from church because a woman confronts him at church and is like, what the fuck is the matter with you? Uh, On rare occasions, he would appear. He'd either just like sit in his car in his driveway um, reading a paper or doing nothing at all. Um,
2: And then... My neighbor does that. Ew! really just reads the paper in the car yeah i don't know yikes some people maybe quiet, you just huh? gotta get away yeah my i don't know my
3: safe space mm-hmm. i get it
4: um
3: but this guy doesn't deserve no, a screw him. no he
4: doesn't so in 2013 forever later his neighbors are like hey have you seen james out like Creeping in his car lately. Wait, this fool's
3: like 80 at this yeah. point? Yep. God damn.
4: Yep. Uh, everyone's like, I haven't seen him. I don't know. You you call the cops. You call the cops and just ask them to do a wellness check. And they're like, fine. And they go over. And of course, bum, bum, bum. James is dead. He died of old age in his house. They finally send, like, obviously, They get rid of the body. They go bury it, whatever. None of his relatives wanted to claim the body because everybody's old as fuck. His one child had drowned. Like, no one wants to deal with this estate. So six months after he died, they send um, people to go in, clear out the house, Mm -hmm. deal with it. He was a hoarder. Mm -hmm. So the house is disgusting. It's covered in... and dead cats and cameras and film and all this stuff and they go down in the basement and the people are cleaning it out and they knock up against this wall and they're like that fucking sounds pretty hollow oh boy the rest of this doesn't at all so and
3: cops can be dumb
4: I mean, but it was behind, like, mountains and mountains of Shit. papers and stuff and, like, everything you could think of. Um, and they open the wall and they find a barrel inside of the wall. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
3: of whiskey. Yep. And that's of it. monkeys.
4: They pull out the barrel and open it. And inside... Are the remains of Joanne Nichols? They were obviously uh, super old, and it Pretty was just bones, skeletal, yeah. skeletal by now. God, and the smell. yep, um, it turns out, or after getting some, you know, forensics done, it looks like she had been killed with blunt force trauma to the head, and. James had just gone down, put her in a barrel, sealed that shit up behind a fake wall, and left her there to rot and live there for his entire life afterwards, and Happily never said anything wow. to anybody.
0: Why? That's insane.
2: So, wow, Good that for him.
4: What's a bummer is that all the cops that worked on it really always thought it was him, but they couldn't really they couldn't pin have, it on him. Nobody. And yeah. um, the like main cop on it died like six months before Oh. No. what's his face. They all found it out. And his son was like I'm so bummed that my dad didn't get that validation. But um, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And that's a story of a piece of now dead, but Living shit that lived way too long. Yeah. Just being a piece of shit.
0: Yeah.
2: Got away with murder just by staying in his house.
0: Yeah.
4: Oof. Wow. And taking pictures of people. He also was in his like I I want to say in like the early two thousands-ish, he was kind of a regular at this ihop And uh <laughs> all the townspeople I think kind of knew who he was, you know, like, oh, that's the guy who fucking killed his wife, but nobody could stop. Mm-hmm. Um and this one waitress is like, I'll fucking serve him. You don't know. Um, (laughs) You don't know him. She was like, he's fine, whatever. Uh, He would come in like multiple times a week and then one day one of the employees was leaving and they saw him outside in his car and like walked up and he had a camera and then a bunch of pictures of different people who worked at the IHOP. Oh, fun. And uh, they were like, cool your band please never come back to this ihop again he was a creepo
2: man wow bad news that guy
4: oh yeah
2: don't take a hatchet to a baby squirrel it's it's the gateway drug yeah to like all, sorts all of, of that shit.
3: is serial killer behavior and if they only found the one i just feel like there's more people that he got it
2: suspicious of the sun on the hood of the amphicar i'm sorry i suspect foul play well, the there. mississippi
4: is pretty huge in parts right
3: yeah yeah
2: Rough waters. I still think of foul play.
3: Yeah. Speaking
2: Anfa of guards. foul play.
3: You have a bird story? <laughs> foul
2: play. <laughs> this is the mystery of Monsieur Gouffet. Gouffet? Gouffet. Gouffet. Like goofy? Like goofy. Okay. But French, gouffet. All right, so Toussaint Augustin Gouffet was a brown-haired bailiff in the 1880s Belle Époque France. Okay, so this is like Moulin Rouge, City of Lights, mm-hmm. Gay Paris, the part, the Paris that everybody thinks of when they think of like old time Paris. Okay, so bailiffs back then weren't like like cops, like they are in America. They were more like basically an attorney but light like Mm -hmm. a light attorney like you you can get some basic legal services from them notary public they would do a little bit of bail bonds work um he happened to focus on debt collection and he was like the nice gentlemanly face of the debt collector business he also had an associate who would go do you know the rougher stuff that you have to do Breaking legs. But he was the respected member of society. Uh, And he had uh, a bunch of kids and his wife was dead. So he liked to spend all of his money (laughs) on women.
4: I was going to say prostitutes. Not
2: prostitutes. Let's talk a little bit about how women worked in Paris during the Belle Époque because it is fascinating. So what had happened is all these people had moved from the country to the city. It was happening. Industrial Revolution, all that stuff. In France, women weren't people, legally, right? So you were only legally, I know, Alexa, it's really disturbing, but stay out of this. Did she say words? Yeah. Oh, my. So, sorry.
3: Keanu Reeves.
2: So you were only legally a person if you are a woman if you lived with the family you were born with, or you uh, worked in the family business, or you were married to a man anything in between. And it was just kind of a gray area because you weren't allowed to own property or have money. So you could legally exist, but how? So that made life for women a much more complicated endeavor in France than it, say, here in America or in England, where you could at least like get a job. There were certain jobs that women could get, um, like you could sell um stuff in a shop or at a market but those were like really hard to get and they tended to be kept close in a family so like if you were a fishmonger like you passed your little stall down to your own daughters you didn't like just let random women apply for that (laughs) (laughs) and one of the reasons department stores came about in paris is because it served this huge need for women to have a freaking job and so like it was just kind of a big deal anyway Fishmongers, so, disgusting. If you were a woman in the city and your family kicked you out because you were a bit of a handful, naturally everybody thinks, "Oh, you'd become a prostitute." But they all wanted to avoid becoming prostitutes because once you were on the official prostitution registry at the police station, you—that was it for life. It was almost impossible to get your name off that list, so it was a huh. life sentence um, of official prostitution. And so, what women did. Is they tried to ride the line in between by dating real hard rich men. Okay. And so if you were dating a rich guy, if you were a rich guy's mistress, he would put you in a house, pay for your clothes, buy you food, and you would literally just survive off of his largesse. And of course, you were giving up sex for it, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. prostitution because you were just
3: you're his girlfriend
2: and it was one at a time this is like dating. harlots
3: that's what they do in harlots
2: exactly exactly so that was the way it just was i love that show that so show. if you were guffet who was a debt collector and therefore sitting on tons of cash all the time and a widower you were just
0: fucking having women having left and left everywhere and right. so that was him
2: on july 26 1889 he bumped into a friend of a friend uh who said i'm done with my mistress if you want her uh So it's this uh, little twenty-year-old named Gabrielle. She's real cute. And he's like, "Sweet, I've had my eye on Gabrielle. What's the address?" And his friend gave Gouffet the address, and he goes over there. And this small woman, fucking unsettling, (laughs) no taller than his like sternum, like just this tiny young girl, uh, lets him in. And he was never seen alive again. (gasps) Whoa! Oh, goodbye, Gouffet. Goodbye, Gouffet. So his cook noticed he wasn't home the following night, which wasn't too unusual because he was always fucking around. But on the weekends, he usually came home to hang out with his kids who were kind of grown. Mm-hmm. So she goes to his office. She looks around. Everything in his office is totally fine. In fact, there's a box on a counter with 14,000 francs just sitting out that he forgot to put away. That's like $150,000 cash just laying around. Mm-hmm. There was actually so Thousand. She was like, yeah, there's 14. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: mm-hmm.
2: So his client's money's all accounted for. No robbery, but no goffet. So she goes to his brother-in-law, and he goes to Gufet's like associate, the rough guy in the business, this guy named Launay. Who was the one who went around and like kind of punched people? That yeah. is
3: the softest name. Yeah. Lanay. Lanay. Beat Lanet. my fucking ass. Lanay.
2: Right. So Lanay goes, Oh, has gone and acts like super suspicious it's and a says, death drop. You guys sh- should totally check on all the women that he sleeps with because they're, who knows, right? Women, right? You should check on the women. And the cops are like, Okay, we'll go check on the women. Um. So. The, well, at first, it was just the brother in law. He was like, Go oh, check on the women. And he's like, "I, There's too many. I'll go to the cops. I'll have them do it. So he hands over the case. And uh, because Gouffet was an officer of the court, um, it went all the way to the top and landed on the police chief's deck. The police chief at the time of the Paris police was Marie Francois Goron or M.F. Goron. He is every detective stories it's him poirot they're all Yay! Gouron. Gouron is like Love the him. yeah um so he's straight out of an detective novel he was most known for being the super fierce interrogator nothing got past him um and he was super busy fighting street crimes because there was this outbreak of like gang violence in new in uh, paris at the time so he got this case and he's like another rich dude disappeared for the weekend Ugh. uh you know no big deal uh, so he doesn't look at it. After four days, ho- however, like, the judge who this bailiff, like, worked with starts, mm-hmm. like, bu- bu- you know, bugging Goran. Like, hey, where's Gouffet? I need Where's Goufet. my dude? Where's my dude? He's like, all right, I'll start investigating. Uh, looks like we should start with the women. Uh, let's bring him in. So they bring in 23 women who were seen with Gouffet in the previous week.
4: What? <laughs> in one <laughs> week? Yeah. I don't Goufet. even know 23 people. Yeah, <laughs> no. Jesus.
2: Gouffet got around, man. Uh, They bring them all in for questioning. None of them had seen him within two days of him disappearing. And they all had solid alibis. And he's like, okay, damn. Because these women obviously have alibis. That's how they live. Right. Right. Uh, He calls in the business associates. Their question. They haven't seen him in whatever. Even Lon A is like, dude, I haven't seen him. And here's my alibis. And they seem airtight. There's not even a good reason for him to be gone. They check his bank accounts. All 330,000 francs. That's $4.2 million of his personal fortune still in the bank still there he didn't take it nobody else took it um like damn he starts checking the suicides in the city none of them match the description no dice no body no trace gufet is gone so the press pick up on the case the thing was Garon had this really cozy relationship with the press because they helped him solve cases yeah he would publicize it lots of people leak a little little information he kind of pioneered that whole thing so the press just loved him and would like totally do whatever he asked. He's like, I've got this case. Let's write about it. Sensationalize it. And Cuffet is gone, right? Uh, no suspects panned out. Nobody Winf. came forward. Not a single lover had seen him within days. No clues that could be followed.
4: What about Little Miss? Ooh.
2: So meanwhile, in a village near Lyon, uh, residents started complaining that it stank. <gasps> in the entire town, this entire little town near Lyon, totally stinky mm-hmm. uh it's inescapable uh by mid-august this is like two weeks after the stench started people were literally fainting from the smell it was so bad i mean
4: it's if horrible. You think horrible like, no <laughs> a dead possum can stink up a whole block right so, so
2: yeah so they send search parties out to like try to find what the fuck is stinking so bad and they follow the smell up the river uh and this guy named coffee Follows the stench up to the river that feeds the town's drinking water, and he comes upon a lumpy sack.
4: Ooh, that's (laughs) how no one should be described.
2: He rolls the sack over, and he immediately goes, I got to get the cops. And then gets the cops, and they go back, and it's just this rotting naked body that was tied up in the fetal position. (laughs) The eyes and the nose were missing. It had jet black hair, and its beard was matted and full of bugs. And they're like, all right, that's a dead body. Let's take Mm -hmm. it to the morgue. So they take it to the Morgan Leon. Leon happens to be the home of France's and maybe the world's foremost autopsy expert, Alexandra Cassagna, who is Ooh. like the guy who almost invented forensic science. He sounds fun, too. Let's do a story about um, him. But he was on vacation. Mm. So <laughs> the autopsy goes to his assistant, Paul Bernard. Paul Bernard... Gets the corpse. It's falling apart in his hands while he's doing it. It's Ugh, just a mess. Gooey. He finally guesses, all right, this dude's been dead like, I don't know, a month. Let's say sometime between July 9th, July 23rd.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he's like 35, 45 years old, and he's five foot seven, black hair, and he died by strangulation by hand. All right. Oh. So the next day, August 15th, This old farmer and his son were around hunting for escargot. So quaint. When they come upon
4: hunting for snails. Yeah, to eat. Well, you got to find the good ones. Uh, Do we
3: call it hunting? Hunting and gathering. They're animals. Call it more gathering. Uh, sorry. It's like like a scavenger hunt. This is the upsetting part of the story for me.
2: (laughs) When they come upon a bunch of piles of really nice wood. And they're like, oh, let's gather this up. Good firewood to go with our snails and Let's hunt this wood but the wood stinks that sounds they're porny. like oh we can't take this back to our houses The smelliest wood we've ever smelled <sighs> and they gather it up and it turns out it's the shattered pieces of this great big trunk and they heard about the corpse and they're like oh i bet this smells because the corpse smelled so they showed it to the police collect all the scraps as well as finding a key that was a perfect fit for the lock what it was nowhere near where the corpse was found but they're like oh okay this is this trunk has something to do with the body and so the Leon cops put the trunk back together. Oh, like, I, was like
4: no, oh like yeah, a, I was thinking like a tree trunk. No, like a traveling trunk. Okay. Yeah.
2: Put it back together. And then I one of the cops like is trunk. like, is it big enough for a body? And he crawls in. And he's like, he's oh, like, yeah. Fuck yeah, it Totally fit a body in here. Uh, this The corpse had been brought to Leon in this trunk. So but who's the corpse, right? Stink trunk. So a week later, <laughs> <laughs> the stink truck story gets to Goron in Paris. And he's like, oh, dude, I bet that's goofy. Mm-hmm. But there's three problems. Hair was totally the wrong color. Uh, the corpse was an inch shorter. And the trunk had a label on it from the railway station that said it was shipped July twenty seventh, 1888. Oh. It is now 1889. So he's like, I don't know. It still seems like it's probably him. Something's not adding up. So he sends... He takes a detective and he goes off to Leon. He's like, can I just see the evidence? I just want to check on this Mm because I don't have a body and I don't know. Huge fight. Leon and Paris hate each other. Cop fight. They don't want to show him the evidence. They're like, get your big city asses out of here. You guys are stupid. Why are you like messing up our time? Besides, your theory is ridiculous. It's the wrong color hair. He's shorter. And besides, we already know who this is. It's the missing husband of a local widow. Who disappeared on July 10th, which is what the autopsy said. He died around July 9th to July Mm -hmm. 20th, probably Mm -hmm. him. And we have a local coach driver named LaForge who said that he had transported three young men in a large trunk on July 6th. But
4: he disappeared on the 10th? Yeah. Okay. It's quite Uh, adding uh, up. uh, But
2: during the interrogation with the cops, the coachman kind of fixed some details and things started to add up better. Sure.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said.
2: Turns out this coachman had a fraud charge over his head and was hoping maybe that would be dismissed because he's so hopeful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they pick up three local teenagers who match the description that the coachman gave him Fucking and arrested them for murdering the lo- the lost husband on July 6th. Those are
4: just a bunch of kids with black hair. Yeah.
2: So Garan is like, this doesn't add up. No. This is, this is too neat and tidy and it just doesn't make sense. And if the body was there since July sixth, then the stink would have hit town like way earlier than yeah. August. It would have been stinky at least two weeks earlier, and the stink body would have drunk. been like skeleton by then from the bugs and the and all the stuff eating
4: that good soft meat. Yeah. I mean, nature's. But the little...
2: local cops are like, nope, cl- open and close. Unless you can bring some hard evidence, that's that's our story, and we're sticking to it. So he, like, goes back to Paris, like, God damn it, I know that's, I know that's Gouffet. Meanwhile, his one suspect is Lanay, the guy who acted super suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, like, interrogating the fuck out of Lanay. He's like, okay, come on, what happened? Did you owe some money? And it turns out Lanay was remodeling his house, and then it had to stop because he couldn't pay the bills. Mm. And then three days after Gouffet disappeared, suddenly the remodeling started again. hmm and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And the press finds out about this, and everybody wants Lanay to be arrested, but that alibi is airtight. Like, he's got several witnesses. He wasn't anywhere near Gouffet on the day of the disappearance. He was totally doing something else. So he's interrogating, third day of interrogation, Lanay says, yeah, there's one guy who disappeared right around that time, this guy, Michelle Arod.
3: Okay. Well, hold up. The guy who passed off this tiny mistress... Yeah. Who, what, did, have we said his French ass name yet? Nope. Okay. Yep. I just saw your face. Thank yep. you. You better
4: <laughs> quit jumping to conclusions, Matt. So they're like, <laughs> dude,
2: you're just throwing heat. You know, Lana, you're just trying to get us to go on a wild goose chase. But all right, whatever. We'll just, We'll follow up on this A Rod guy.
4: A-Rod.
2: A-Rod had just been fired from a wine distributor for running an elaborate con and embezzling funds. He had a long Mm. history of running cons in the wine industry, dating all the way back to his family's vineyard in Lyon.
0: Uh-oh. Yep.
2: Uh, And he was seen with Gufet the night before the disappearance, and he hadn't been seen at all since July 27th, the (gasps) day Gufet disappeared, or the day after. And they're like, Oh. Wow, maybe Lonnie's telling the truth. This Arod guy seems kind of suspicious. suspicious. Also, he's been seen around town with a young mistress who's really small.
4: Oh!
2: But they can't release any of this because it's total conjecture. And where's Arod? Mm-hmm. Where's anybody? We don't even have a body. And the press is all over Garon's ass. Like, they have turned on him. There's like, there's no body. There's no suspects. There's no leads. This guy's a bailiff. Like, we can't even solve, like, the one prominent murder in town. You're a fool, Garon. You're, like, following all the wrong leads. Leon is laughing at Paris. You suck. (laughs) Things are not going well for him, right? This
3: is like a high
4: school football rivalry. (laughs) I mean, if you don't have TV. Yeah. (laughs) For real. What else are you going to do?
2: So then there's news from Leon. The prosecuting judge, who was like doing this whole trial, uh, started questioning the coachman, and his story falls apart like cheese. It's just the-
4: <laughs> like that body they found out of the yeah. stink trap. What day free. did you find
2: the body? Yeah. What did the people look like? He's like, like uh. just it all <laughs> <closed>. <laughs> He's stupid, right? It's obvious lies. And the judge, who doesn't just want to close the case like the cops, is like, I don't know and uh, there's more evidence that's irregular because remember how the luggage label said July 27th, 1888? Yes. It turns out that the luggage label actually says July 27th, 1880 and then it's torn.
4: Oh.
2: So anyway, this gets into the newspaper and Grand sees it and he's like, holy fucking shit. He runs his ass back to Leon and asks the judge, hey, can I look at that label? And he's like, yeah, 1889, of course. It yes. literally left Paris the day Gouffet disappeared. <gasps> And you guys were just thinking it was 1888 because you were believing your badass autopsy. Mm -hmm. So he's like, it's 1889. That's Goofy. Your autopsy was wrong. I want that body, right? (laughs) Give me that body. Mm -hmm. It's November. So it's goop on goop. So Goofay, Goran's piecing together all the evidence just enough. Like it's all neatly matching up except for the black hair. And he needs to get evidence that, that they should dig the body up and do another autopsy. And he's like, "Oh man, can I see the hair?" And the cops are like, "No, you can't see the hair." And he goes to the judge. He's like, "Can I see the hair?" And the judge is like, "Yeah, I guess you can see the hair." Mm-hmm. So he has the little evidence box and he takes a little cup of water and he washes the hair and sure mm-hmm. enough, Muck comes off and the hair is brown. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh... Right? So he's like, okay, I want a new autopsy. And the local judge is like, yep. And guess who's off vacation? La Cassania's back. Yay! Yay! So it's a five-month-old corpse that's been buried, but they exhum it. And La Cassania Boop. decides to make this like his, like, pièce de résistance autopsy. Mm-hmm. It's in public. Like, they have like the a theater.
4: of autopsies. Anybody
2: can come watch. He's already responsible for... Pioneering the use of tattoos, dental records, and bone measurements to identify remains, which all sounds really fucking obvious, but nobody had done that shit before. "Mm." Um, And he was the one who invented studying how blood settles in pools to determine time of death, which is like totally taken for granted now in forensic science. This is his idea. So he's like the shit, right? Yeah, Um,
4: Studied a bunch of it, I'm sure. Yeah,
2: internationally now. So he he does a two-day autopsy, thorough as fuck yeah. on this half rotted corpse hell yeah George oh, Costanza just making fun of his students work the whole time like it is just a takedown of poor Paul Bernard
4: sorry guy but you suck he measures read.
2: Measures all the bones and determines that the body was 5'8 just mm-hmm. like Gufet Mm-hmm. uh the time of death had to be late july not earlier based on this and this and that like mm-hmm. he determines that it was right. probably july 28th or 9th he
4: was in the water right he's right. within a or two,
2: he washes the hair it's obviously super chestnut brown it is not black uh and then he looks at the right heel bone which is worn a little bit different from the left heel bone and then he goes this guy have a leg pro- problem goran gets him you know on the phone back to paris hey did Gouffet have a leg problem? Yeah, when he was a kid, he broke his leg and he walked funny with a limp for a while. Right, like he's Boom. just like nailing it, right, over and over again. No doubt at all. Corpse is Gouffet. Garon's <gasps> like, Ta-da! I found the body. But oh, I feel, yeah, who killed him?
3: Oh <laughs>
2: shit! I you were so, say,
3: but it wasn't the body.
2: <laughs> no, it was the body. So Garon turns his attention to the trunk. He's like, okay, stink trunk. Stink trunk. (laughs) I proved with the railway records. He he looked at the railway records. This trunk left Paris on July 27th for Leon. Cool. Where was it from? So the way they duct taped the trunk back together wasn't like really recognizable. So he hires experts to spend a week recreating the trunk down to the tiniest detail. This is the crazy part. So he can go display it at the Paris morgue. Let's talk about the Paris morgue. It's the coolest thing. Okay. So the way people figured out who had died in the late 19th century in Paris was they just put the bodies into like. It's almost like a, you know, when you go to the zoo to look at the polar bears, and you walk mm-hmm. by, and it's like a right. long walkway in front of, like that. Yeah. They just laid the bodies out, and yeah. you could wander through and just look at them to see if you recognized anybody. Like, and if you did, you'd be like, "Oh, that's Bob." And yeah. Like, okay, now we know who that is. Don't feed them. Yep. The morgue was a tourist attraction. It was like something to do on a Saturday, like going to the zoo. Mm-hmm. It was just a way to publicize who had died. And every once in a while, they'd throw somebody in there who they knew who it was, but it would just generate a lot of interest and help bring more traffic through to help with the unidentified bodies. So it was just this really weird mix of like right. civic Like duty. this is our banner body. How were
3: they making? They had to have been making money somehow. Yes. It was just free. Shit. It was free. Nah, you didn't have to charge. it in- Well,
4: on. I would guess, you nope. know, the unidentified bodies, they can be like, here, we'll sell them to these
2: uh, this, doctors. This was all just the cops who set up the morgue and they're like, hey, we just need your help. Yeah,
3: that doubles down Ah. that I think they were getting paid for it because cops are dirty,
2: (laughs) especially Parisian cops. cops, Yes, I don't know. It was the Republic, not the monarchy. So maybe. Um, So anyway, so they put the trunk at the morgue and they invite the entire public to see. And by this time, they've been hearing about the Gufet case for five months following every twist and turn in it. Ooh, we get to see the trunk that Gufet was transported in. Huge sensation. Lines are on the block. 25,000 people go to see it on the oh my first God. day.
4: Woo! I would go see that body.
2: By day four, 50,000 people had seen it. There was a 500-franc reward for any coachman who remembered loading this trunk. So the coachmen were given a special like, express Disneyland line to see it. So like, if you were a coachman, you can go in a little faster. Hell yeah. Um, they had little mini trunks that were getting sold as souvenirs. <laughs> Uh, I ca- would c- buy that. That's the money. Yeah. There you go. That. Cafes around Something it were it. serving drinks called La Mal Saglante, which is the bloody trunk. The like,
4: stink trunk. <laughs> the stink trunk. <laughs> yeah. Cocktail. I it was. It. It's got that. eggs in it.
2: It was a true sensation. <laughs> sure. Like this trunk was like the talk of Paris in 1889. But all the way into December, nobody knew shit. Mm-hmm. Like no information came out of it. Finally, one day in December, a cabinet maker goes through and he's like, you know what? I don't know. I don't recognize it, but it was definitely made in England. The cops were like, what? He's like, yeah, all the dimensions. Those are yards, not meters, and those kind of nails they only use in England. We don't use them here in France. They're like, oh, it's English, huh? And then that same day, another man um, saw the trunk, and he was like, I've seen that before with somebody who stayed with me. Uh, This woman named Gabrielle stayed with me for two days in in Lille, uh and they were like really and they like take the trunk out they shut the exhibit down they take the trunk to the apartment and there's scratches on the door mm-hmm. and the trunk like barely tr- fits yeah it's like exactly from <gasps> if the, the
4: trunk. trunk doesn't
2: fit yeah or does so in this they're case. like tell us about this gabrielle and he was like oh all i remember about her is that the trunk was bought by this lover who beat her and she really wanted to get away from him because she was scared of him
4: oh so this guy was a piece of shit yeah good kill so, him Gouffffe goodbye
2: That all those are getting into the newspapers. now a Frenchman in London who's following the story story in the papers reaches out because he saw like an engraving of the trunk and he's like, no I saw I helped a guy buy that trunk. I was renting a room to him and his daughter Gabrielle. <laughs> in London on July 7th they went to a department store on Oxford Street and bought an enormous trunk together. I was like in London, shit. So, Garon goes out, reaches out to the shop, confirms the purchase, takes the replica, goes to London to confirm that the trunk is really from this shop, and talk to the shop owner himself. This dude is dedicated as fuck. So the pattern is right, the dimensions are right, everything. He's got the origin of the trunk, um, and who bought it? It is Michelle, Arod, <gasps> bought the trunk with Gabrielle.
0: What? While
2: he's there, incidentally, Goran takes a tour of Whitechapel with some local detectives because he wants to assist in this huge case they're pursuing about Jack the Ripper.
4: Oh, mm. hell yeah! <laughs> yeah.
2: And so he's like, you know what? As soon as I finish up this case, I'm going to come back and help with yours because yours is super interesting. So he vows to return to help with Jack the Ripper.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now he's got. The murder transport, so it goes back to Paris. He's got the suspects, definitely A-Rod, definitely Gabrielle Bompard. Uh, it's now late December. He catches the flu.
4: No! Before no! Enough. No! Which flu? Oh. Not, the Not Spanish. like Spanish flu, right? No, that was
2: 1918. This was the worst flu until that one came along. Oh, fuck. It killed a ton of people. The he Portugal almost, flu. He almost goes blind. He gets this huge, From vicious flu outbreak flu. and he has to stay in his bed and he can't work. And he's like, okay, well, if I don't make it, he tells his little detectives, he's mm-hmm. like, just find a rod and Gabrielle, find mm-hmm. them. So they're like, okay how and they start trying to follow clues and stuff they know obviously they got in a train from paris to leon they go to leon they find Arod's brother-in-law brother-in-law is like i don't want to fucking talk about that guy he defrauded our family wine vineyard mm-hmm. i would never give him money i would never talk to him again he can fuck right off i never saw him and they're asking around and like they have nothing he just phew, vanished both of them january 1890 Garon gets a letter saying it's from Monsieur Erod.
4: <gasps> he's taunting him. And
2: it's a letter that's completely shit. pinning the murder on Gabrielle Bompard.
4: Bullshit. On yep. his daughter? Well, no, it's his
2: lover. He's so like Garon's suspicious at first, but like Arod's mentioning all these details that weren't in the press about like the murder, and he's like, I think this is actually from Arod. And like they had a lot of fake A-Rods coming out of that woodwork Mm -hmm. because it's just a huge case. So A-Rod in the letter pleads for Garon to bring Gabrielle to justice for the murder of Gouffet. He says, Gabrielle ran away from me in San Francisco.
4: San Francisco? The
2: letter is postmarked from San Francisco. Okay. And Garon gets two more letters, one from Philadelphia and one from New York, both from A-Rod so a rod's just fucking running all over america writing these panicked letters to him begging the cops to arrest gabrielle because she's like,
4: trying to kill him
2: no because she killed guffet and oh. he just he just wants her brought to justice and Garon's like okay the he's like five foot four okay little girl right but Goofey
3: so, was murdered the night he went into her home, like the night yeah. he met her. So he wasn't the abusive one. No, it was the guy who passed her off.
2: It was A-Rod.
4: A-Rod's the one that... He yeah, was Roddick's scared of. That, mm-hmm. He was the one who was like, I'm done with this mistress. Yeah.
2: Right. So... Um. By the way, Garon read all that with like his failing eyes, like on his deathbed.
4: Oh no, he's dying! <laughs> so he, gonna he
2: die? No. so he sends his detectives like, go the fuck to America. I got a letter from New York. Go to New York. Go to New York. So they get on a steamship and they go to New York, <sighs> real slow, right?
4: Takes a hundred years. The press that, that dude's follows in Mexico. them all the way to the U.S. Write
2: about it the whole way telegraphing sure. things so I mean, like i said no one's get got to new TV. york and guess what they can't find a rod because yeah, like of course who where is he he sees them coming and they're chasing his trail all over the place and they trace him all the way to montreal and they just can't ever catch up with him he's always a step ahead because the goddamn press won't stop writing about what they're doing okay they finally shake the the reporters but it's too late a rod's disappeared again and the letters have stopped once again the case is stalled they have a body and they have a clue but they have no suspects no knowledge of even where the crime took place i can't figure out like how the guy even died other than strangulation by the way by like pointed out he was strangled twice this is unusual by the woman and the man he couldn't figure out why or how he's just like look this is double st- one strangulation killed him but there was another one right yeah for fun so late January,
4: fungulation. Mm-hmm. it looks
2: like the case is completely stalled out. They've gone halfway around the world. At this point, it's getting covered in papers in London and in New York and San Francisco and Paris. It's a Canada. worldwide sensation. It's literally
4: Montreal.
2: It's literally the biggest news story of 1890 already.
4: It sounds awesome.
2: Late January, Paris police station, Gabrielle Bompard. Shows up and turns herself in <gasps> on the arm of somebody named Georges Garanger. And she says, A rod murdered Gouffet. I was there. I can describe the whole scene. And so they bring her in. So this know. is January
3: after the 1891. July. 1891. Yeah. yeah,
2: 1890. Yeah. So oh, six 1890. Months, okay. Six months. Six months after. So they bring her in. They're like, Okay, well, what, what happened? And she's like, We were at Three Rue Chanson. And uh, I kind of seduced him in and then I sat on his lap and then I took my sash off my robe and then I put it around his neck and then A-Rod jumped out from behind a curtain, hooked it up to a pulley and hanged him. But then it broke and then A-Rod jumped on him and choked him to death. And they were like, "Holy fuck!" Double strangulation. Why? And she goes, "I don't know." And they're like, "What?" And she's doing; she's just telling it as if she read it in a book. Right. And they're like, "What? Why? What? What did you do? Were you scared?" And she's like, "I don't know." Je ne sais pas. Yeah. And they're like, this is "So weird." Um. Well, why did A Rod do it? And she's like, "I don't know." She's totally blank but she can describe the same detail they run off to the apartment they check it out there's a broken beam right like, yeah all everything's checking out. out but like she's just totally and meanwhile the cop the press pick up on it and start writing about her and she's like sweet and she gets all like fame happy and is like sure of course heart yep, yeah yep totally roxy heart oh, right
0: yes oh, but yes. she's
2: still she's telling the story dispassionately no matter how much the interrogator she's just like yeah i wrapped my uh, sash around his neck and I said oh that looked like a nice necktie ha 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 and then A-Rod hanged him and uh yeah same story the whole time it's
3: also like kind of what trauma victims would
4: I mean come on I mean it's like so they're like, Paris well, what have you been and,
2: doing? Yeah. And she's like, Iraq took night. us, she, she, he put the thing in a trunk and then we got on the train and we went to Leon to see his brother-in-law but his brother-in-law wouldn't talk to us. So we went to America and then we went, got to Canada. She was and kidnapped. So they dumped
4: the body at some point? They dumped the point? body, we threw the body off the yeah.
2: coach and then we threw the trunk in a different place and then we went to America and then we were like doing wine scams and I didn't want to be there but I was and she's just like totally flat telling this yeah and we took a train across Canada and then we went down to San Francisco we met this guy named George he's really hot and then uh, we were going to do this big vineyard thing in Napa Valley um, and he was gonna make George pay for it all because George is really rich. And then she sent he sent George to Montreal to get some money from his bank. And I went with him to make sure he did it. But I loved him and I didn't love Arod. And as soon as I got away from Arod, I told him the whole thing. And he was like, "Holy shit!" And he took me back here. And anyway, here I am. And they're like, "This chick's weird. Yeah, something is really weird about her."
3: She's so short. <laughs> She's so tiny. I could just so they go over to Karen
2: O'Shea and they're like, does this story check out? And he's like, yeah, that's that's pretty much how it happened. A-Rod totally tried to scam me. He was using all these fake names and mm-hmm. I was doing this vineyard thing. And she, I could tell something was wrong with her and she wanted to escape. And I was kind of falling in love with her. So, like, I helped her escape. And uh, well, she told me the whole story on the way. And I didn't believe it at first. But then we got on the steamship and I was just hanging out with my buddies and I hypnotized her. <laughs> and then she spilled like the whole story in vivid graphic detail you guys should try hypnotizing her it's so fun she's really easy to hypnotize and the cops were like what It's like, no, seriously, check it out. Check out how easy she is to hypnotize. And I'm like, okay. So they go back in there and they hypnotize her. And it's like totally fucking different. She starts telling the story in vivid detail. She's sweating. She's acting like it's real. And then when she gets to the part where A-Rod jumps out, she stops. And the cops are like, is this when Michelle A-Rod came out? And she goes, don't let him near me. Don't let him near me. Oh, my God. Just keep Michelle A-Rod away from me. I'm so scared. Please keep me safe. Please keep me safe. And they snap her out of it. And then she's like back to normal. (laughs) And we'll tell part two next week.